I think we need to get into your feature this week, which is uh, on Seattle's comic book cop, Officer Kevin Stuckey. Um, just what a story and what a profile of a nerd in the community here and the lessons that he is able to bring from comic books into not just his role as a police officer, but even some of the roles that he's filled with in that life where he was a school resource officer and all kinds of... I won't spoil anything, but just hearing how comic books and the characters in them and the ideals upheld by these characters has led him through his life was a really fascinating listen. And I, I can't wait for uh, for people to hear your feature this week. I have rarely seen such an impressive display of notable and collectible comic books just sitting there. Usually, comic books like this are out of reach at a Comic-Con or under glass at a shop. But here, they're just out in the open. The first eight issues, original copies, mind you, of Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. That Black Panther special series where he took on the KKK, it's right there. Captain America 117. It's the first introduction of the Falcon. And it's all just on a shelf, not under glass, not in a safe. Though, when you think about it, perhaps there's no better place to store comic books like this than in a building with a controlled entry and surrounded by cops. I'm in the office of Seattle Police Officer Kevin Stuckey. I'm the president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. I've been a Seattle police officer for 24 years. In my interactions with Officer Stuckey, there are a couple things that are quite evident. One, he's a union guy. Officer Stuckey is the head of the Seattle Police Officers Guild, which is the police union. He is quite skilled in talking PR, and he can go on and on about police relationships with community members, city leaders, all the local hot-button issues. And two, this is a big one, this cop is a nerd. I love comic books. It helped me get in a, an awkward stage in my life to feel uh, inclusive to people I wanted to be included with. They gave me a, a sense of purpose and like a, what I wanted to do. Why, do. why does Batman do what Batman does? It's because he wants to help his community. He wants to see Gotham be a better place. That's the whole premise of Batman. Everything, all those things are why I'm a police officer. He's been reading them since he was a kid, growing up between Detroit and New York. Now, the worlds of a cop and a comic book fan may seem far apart, but in Officer Stuckey's case, they're actually quite related. And in today's modern world of officer-involved controversies and changing culture around policing, maybe comic books offer a fresh perspective. My mom was strung out on drugs, and she used to leave me and my younger sister alone a lot. We were four or five years old. And one day, a police officer knocked at the door, looking for a friend of my mom, so I had committed a crime. And you would think that the rules would have been, don't open the door, don't answer the phone, those kind of things. She never gave us that. She just left. So when someone knocked on the door, I answered it. So I answered it, and there were three police officers, two in uniform, one in plain clothes. And they were looking for a friend of my mom's. She wasn't there. They saw that my sister and I were alone. So they told us to go get a coat. We went and got a coat. And we went down to the precinct. They left a note on the door 
for my mother to come get us. So my sister and I wind up standing at the lobby of that precinct all day. And all day turned into early evening. Um, I knew the I was in trouble because the sun started to go down. That's when I started to panic. Um, I wasn't crying or anything, but I clearly had a weird look on my face because the police officer, he came up and he said, what's wrong, little man? And I was I told him I messed up, that I shouldn't never open the door. My mom's going to be upset. And he told me, um, he said, nope, don't think like that. He said, a real man always looks out for his family. You were looking out for your sister, and there's no way you guys should have been in there by yourself. Then he takes me over to the vending machine, which did something else that marked my life, which was he bought me a Zagnut candy bar. I don't mean to speak ill of the people who created that confection, but that is the worst tasting <laughs> piece of candy I've ever had in my life. But I ate it anyway because he bought it for me. Um, years later, my mom told me the reason why she never showed was uh, she thought she had a warrant for arrest, so she never showed. For a time, the one constant aspect of his life was a corner magazine store in New York. And at the time, my mom was uh, heavily uh, into drugs, and so were the people in her life. So a lot of times I was, uh, you know, sent away to do things. And I became really good friends with um, the newspaper guy at the corner. I wasn't attending school. So the comic books was like, I had to do something. But it also it was a conversation starter because then um, when I started meeting kids and actually um, friends, I had something to talk about. You know, I was a kid who knew that um, Superman's weaknesses weren't just kryptonite, that he also um, has a really uh, big weakness to magic. Like, so, you know, so if it was Doctor Strange versus Superman, I would go, Doctor Strange, in a minute. Magic messes with him. So... He was going between his mom and foster care homes a lot. No one knew he wasn't attending school. It was kind of like this secret. You can imagine how stories about powerful characters who also hold secrets and vulnerabilities might appeal to a kid like that. Uh, coming out of foster care, so I'm probably about um, 9, 10 years old. But and it was my mom. Her life was spiraling. She did, you know, she, she had moments where she was okay, she could maintain a job. She would slip back into her old habits and we'd wind up having to go back to Detroit. So, you know, and the last time that happened, it was pretty, pretty bad and I wound up staying in Detroit. So a few things happened in Detroit. All of a sudden he had access to an English class, which he really liked. He took to writing and entering high school, he even started to develop his very own comic book series. It was called Tales of the Kool-Aid Kid and his sidekick, R.C., R.C. Cola. The person who wasn't a part of my life at the time was my um, father. He was still in Michigan, and he had um, remarried and pretty much had other kids, and I saw very little of him. And the Kool-Aid Kid was this character who was, um, if you say, hey, I can run faster than anybody I know, he could run faster than you. And his sidekick, R.C., he knew he couldn't live without him because R.C. was always saving his butt, but he never paid any attention to him. But that was me. I was R.C. And ultimately, that's how I felt about my father. And I was able, how I was able to express that without actually yelling at him or sending him a picture of my middle finger and putting it in the mail, <laughs> which my brother did. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think enough to do that, but my brother did it. 
Stucky thought for a while he might end up being a writer after high school, but he didn't get into the college he wanted, so instead he took another route out of Detroit and into the Air Force. He wasn't able to do a lot of comic collecting for a while, but during this time in the military, he got married to his first wife. and She was from the Seattle area, so when he got out, they ended up in the Northwest, looking for the next step, looking for a new job. I literally um, worked at a, a comic book store, uh, Spider's Web, out in further away. Um, Jim Franklin was the owner, and I literally like worked in his store, and you know he like gave me free comics. They, that was exchange for the work. And it was like a, a really great time in the comic industry. Uh, it wasn't just um, Marvel and DC. You had Image was coming out. It was just like this massive explosion. Of course, in this imperfect world, comic books don't pay the rent. But then he saw an ad. Seattle Police Department was hiring. Stucky got to thinking. That 45 seconds when I was a little kid, when that police officer was kind to me, um, that 45 seconds marked what kind of father I was going to be, what kind of person I was going to be, and what profession I was going to have. Um, I can tell you that um, at 24 years as a police officer, I'm proud of what I do and how as long as I'm in the position that I'm in, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to show people that there's something else, and I, I get to be the superhero. You know, I don't get all the accolades <laughs> that they get in the comic book, but um, I get people who say thank you. Thank you for being here. I, I dig that. Officer Stuckey came on my radar over the past year when he was giving away. I'm going to say that again. Giving away. Original copies of Fantastic Four issues 52 and 53. It was in these pages... 1966, that Black Panther first appeared anywhere. Stucky organized this giveaway. 11-year-old and 5th grader Kieran Nagai won the prize. Every time I felt absolutely amazing about what I was doing, when I felt like I had a win, those were all when I was a school resource officer and actually working with young people. And then it dawned on me that I had been chasing that faceless police officer that was kind to me. 43 years ago. You think about 45 seconds of a positive interaction changed my course of who I am as a person. If you go back in time, and, and DC and Marvel has done this, what if we went back in time to when I was five or six years old and instead of the, instead of the positive interaction that I had with that police officer, would I be a police officer today? But I also have to think about how I interact with people and how other police officers interact with people. Bigger picture here, in case you have not tuned into any news surrounding the Seattle Police Department over the past few years, it has been tense. This is a long and complicated and very political story, but the short version is that the Department of Justice investigated reports of biased policing and excessive force in Seattle in 2011, and it concluded that the Seattle Police Department, quote, engaged in a pattern or practice of excessive force that violates the Constitution and federal law, unquote. So this led to a consent decree in 2012, which is basically an agreement between the feds and local cities. It kicked off a whole range of reforms to make over the Seattle Police Department. And while all of that 
was going on, the union contract with police officers expired. And cops went years without pay raises, all during a time when the cost of living in Seattle exploded. Cops stayed on the job anyway. And also during this time, there were multiple high-profile and very controversial officer-involved shootings and other incidents. So, yeah, very tense. Not even considering the big picture that this is just Seattle's chapter in a national story. And Officer Stuckey has been on the job during all of this. Um, If you look at Civil War, Civil War was uh, the New Warriors. And I can't remember the name of the character, but he had his power has to do something with bubbles. He had like a really interesting power. He is talking about the Civil War storyline from Marvel Comics, by the way. And they were fighting him and trying to take him into custody. And they were near his school when he exploded and he wound up killing a bunch of kids. And it was at that point in time that Tony Stark and the federal government all decided we've got to take control of these superheroes. They're out of control. we got to have regulation. When I look at what's going on in our country as far as policing, that's what people are saying. The power that we wield as police officer is given. People give us. I have the ability to um, come in and take your freedom and in some cases maybe even in some cases take your life well that that's a power that was given to me by the members of the community well they can take it back um, in some cases that's exactly what they're doing when you see people marching they, they're saying we want the ability to take back our power that if you're not going to use it the way we think you should use it that we're going to take that power back I think that's what's going on in our country right now um, as a police officer, and you're right, I am the representative of the police union. What I like to say is that I am nobody's adversary. I am everyone's ally. I will put on my uniform and go to work, and if I have to be someone's adversary, it's because they're the bad guy. What's happening in our country is that somehow, somewhere, we lost sight on who the bad guy actually is and what it actually means to be a bad guy. So now bad guys are, can be police officers. Uh, this is not something that used to happen before. So the first thing, the first step is to realize that that can happen. You know, that that can happen, that police officers, some police officers can be bad guys. And that our role as the good guy is we stop all bad guys. But it is, it is difficult because as we are changing, our communities are changing. They're changing how they look, how they act, how they vote. And we have to have the ability to adapt. To me, that's policing in the 21st century. And since we are talking about comic books, there's a different story arc, and you got to be prepared. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you got to continue. Seattle is a pretty political town. There are a lot of voices. Officer Stuckey is one, and he might not see eye to eye with everyone, and that's okay with him, because he approaches Seattle with a philosophy. As much as that um, our community is changing, we have to remind each other that at the end of the comic book, um, good always wins. Even to go back to the Thanos reference, everybody was working together. When they were all working together, they were winning. When someone went off on their own and wasn't working with the team, Thanos won. When we work together, we can defeat any enemy. Thing. That's that's if I can if we get nothing out of anything we talked about today, it's that. And look at the they showed you in Avengers 3. When we work together, 
we can win. I want, I want to get back to us winning. <laughs> That's my goal. I, I like it when the Avengers win. So. That's all for this week. If you like what you hear on this here program, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts or Facebook. Give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Our theme music, as always, is by the Hoot Hoots. Shout out to them. Music of Dyer's Piece is by Kevin McLeod. And if you're not already, then make sure that you're following us on all the socials. Uh, Facebook, we're NW Nerd Podcast. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're at NW underscore nerd. And if you're into going out to nerdy events then you're going to want to follow the northwest nerd alert page on facebook it's nw nerd alert just make a request over there and dyer will let you in as long as you're not a russian bot the isolated feature will be up on monday and then after that we'll have another roundtable for you so i will see you next week nerds (laughs) 